Hello, hello. Welcome to the Natural Misconceptions Podcast. My name is Stephanie Mora, and I'm here to highlight all the misconceptions that we hold about life, culture, natural family planning, and fertility. I'm here to ask family, friends, and experts to help me uncover and debunk common myths, misunderstandings, and misconceptions. So get ready to learn and laugh while we pull back the veil, because on this podcast, there's no such thing as TMI. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Natural Misconceptions podcast, which I'm beginning to believe is really just the Stephanie Battles Technology podcast. Um, I'm excited here to have someone joining us from the future, 16 hours in the future. I'm recording at about 4.45 in the evening on a random Wednesday, and somehow it is Thursday morning for this neighbor of mine. So Sean Beecher is the first time I've ever had a male guest as well on the podcast, um, apart from, of course, my husband, who really I think of as a co-host, producer, and all that jazz. Sean, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background? Cool. Okay. Take two after internet dropout. So (laughs) g'day from uh, 8.45 Thursday morning. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm a registered nurse in Eastern Australia, specifically from the city of Canberra. Um, yeah, I've been nursing now for five years. I'm married to a lovely lady by the name of Emily. And yeah, we are, we ourselves utilize the market method of natural family planning. And as far as I know, I am the first person in Australia to undertake training in the market method. And on top of that, I'm also the first, I will also be the first male instructor of market in Australia. Do you know by chance? Because obviously Marquette is brand new to Australia, and we mm-hmm. can talk about the whys of that momentarily. But do you know by chance if there are many male instructors for Marquette elsewhere? Uh, I'll put it this way. One of the heads of the program is a former cardiology nurse by the name of Dr. Richard Ferring. Um, so there's him. There's multiple other doctors scattered throughout male doctors and nurses scattered throughout the US and the UK that have done the drain done the training. Um, I will say it is primarily a very a very female heavy um, body of trainers. Um, looking over the list, I count I counted of about the 60 or 70 named and licensed instructors on the Market Institute for Natural Family Planning's list of excuse me list of licensed and credentialed instructors like only about 15 or so of them are actually male right yeah it's a it's a small club to be a part of um which i guess here's the probably the caveat is marquette is one of the only methods you have to have a medical background in. like you can't just like i as a lay person i don't have any medical background i could teach creighton so long as i go through the training for marquette you have to be at least an rn is that correct um you have to be like because the Australian nursing system is graded very, very differently to the US. Um, I couldn't tell you sort of what minimum level of training you need to be able to undergo, but yeah, from what I've read, you do at least need to be a licensed nurse um, or a doctor. So, for example, a physio who still has training in human anatomy and physiology. I don't think they're able to do the training. It's limited almost exclusively to nurses and doctors. 
And that makes sense, which that said, since nursing tends to be a female-dominated profession as well, it's likely why there's also more females mm -hmm. in the instructing business as well. So can you talk to me a little bit about, well, okay, a couple of things. A bunch of questions just came to my brain. Go for it. Far away. Um, yeah, rapid fire. Um, why is it that Australia is so new to the game when it comes to Marquette method as opposed to other methods? I'd say it's because, naturally speaking, Australia tends to be behind the US and the UK anyway. Um, it's seen quite clearly in our healthcare system. It's seen quite clearly in, say, government policies across the, all over the country that, yeah, generally speaking, we tend to be anywhere up to about 10 years behind the US, um, potentially more in some areas. So I'd hazard a guess that's probably why. That makes sense. Excuse me while I snack. Um, <laughs> so uh, what was it that brought you, since it's essentially non-existent in the entire continent, what brought you to Marquette? Okay. Um, well, I suppose it started with my wife many years before, years before we met. Um, digging into various natural family planning methods. So looking at Creighton, looking at Symptothermal, looking at Billings, looking at Marquette, looking at arguably sort of your four or five big name methods and going and looking, reflecting on herself, reflecting on her biology and just going, well, which one do I think would work best for me? Which, by now, the way, is exactly what everyone should do. If you don't know how to start, figure yeah. out what method works for you and then go. Okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just as a note there as well, like if people are tossing up between a couple of methods, a lot of instructors like may be happy to do sort of an initial introductory meeting just to go, look, this is this is in broad, non-specific terms what our method is. And here's a couple more details on how this thing works. Um, and yeah, potentially sit down with you and do a, um, shall we say, a speed dating of the nfp method <laughs> that's a good way to think of it a discovery yeah. call speed dating is even better yes yeah um anyway so yeah emily um she did a bit more than speed date i think she even went out on first dinner with most of the methods and um, <laughs> ended up settling on marquette purely because in her when she was doing the digging she felt the advantage of marquette was that of all the major methods it was, whilst there was still a degree of subjectivity to it, it was arguably the most objective of the methods in that assessment of the changes in the body is taken out of the hands of the woman and put across to a machine where it's, it is where the interpretation of the various, of what Marquette test, it is something or it is not something. It is right. not in between. It's not right. variable. It's hard. It's fast. It's absolute. Um, so she was thinking about that. Then it took a bit of persuading to get me on board because I was the circles I'd been in. The NFP circles in Australia are very, very Billings, Creighton and Symptothermal heavy. And as you pointed out, yeah, market basically does not exist in Australia at all. Um, the anyone in Australia wanting to undertake Marquette, we have to look 
prior to me coming onto the zone, we've had to look for instruction overseas. Um, my wife and I, our instructor is Louise Boychuk from Vito Fertility, um, based out of, I want to say she's based out of Alberta in Canada. She'll probably correct me on that if she hears this. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, so Emily introduced me to the method and once we'd sort of, while we were engaged, once we'd sort of charted a couple of Marquette cycles, I began to feel a bit more comfortable with it because, as I said, it was hard, fast, absolute, and it's just a, you don't, like, you don't necessarily have to worry about the subjective interpretation. It's up to the machine to determine things from there. Yeah. Anyway, so after we'd, after we got married in September last year, um, I, I realised the big problem with the fact that there's no instructors available in Australia. So I had a bit of a dig, had a bit of a look and found the training and it's, and being a nurse, it was open for me to do. So essentially, um, my, my finance brain kicked in and went, there could be a bit of a business opportunity here. So, um, I had a look into the training. I've started the process. I've completed my theoretical training for two reasons. Number one, so that potentially I can help bring instruction in Marquette into Australia with a trainer in Australia. And number two, in order to help me better understand not just what the method is, but why the method is what it is, why it's built the way it is, why it works the way it does, and what is actually being looked for and how it differs to your other major methods in Australia. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love uh, the deep dive that you've done because there is a lot to it. And it, I think mm. maybe to some seems maybe intimidating, but mm. sometimes you do just got to kind of hop into that deep. Yep. I mean, it's it's deep. It's a deep pool to, to swim in. And that can be, like I said, intimidating, but mostly I think it's just very valuable. Mm. Um, I'm hoping that it's been a value to you. So I understand that since it's so non-existent you're looking for clients because oh, yeah. no one really cares or cares to know about Marquette much. Well, it's not so much nose to care about. It's more that it's, it's more that I'll put it, I'll put it this way. It's like when I mentioned to people, if people ask like, oh, we use an NFP method. Yeah, I use, yeah, we use Marquette. They look at us like I've got two heads going, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, unless people have looked into it, people in Australia really haven't heard of the method. So, yeah, it just, it's, it basically comes down to once people start hearing of the method, then they might be interested. If people that listen to this podcast are interested in potentially undergoing training in the method through me, because I actually need a pool of about 10 clients to follow over the course of six months to be able to complete the practical side of my training and become the first licensed instructor in Australia. So if people are interested, you're more, you can find me, um, I'm a member of the official Catholic NFP Facebook group. So you can find me in there. Um, you can flick me a message by Facebook. You can flick me a message by Instagram as well, or um, I can even, I could, I'm even happy for Steph to put my email down in the, um, Oh, what it be the captions or the texty bit at the bottom of the pod <laughs> podcast when you publish it so if you're interested feel free to flick me an email get in touch with me and we'll and yeah if you're in america i'm a shift worker in australia so my schedule is all over the shop 
there's bound to be an hour or two where we overlap at a mutually convenient time where I'd be more than happy to meet with you, talk you through it. And if you're interested, take you on. That's so awesome. A couple of other things I want to touch on. I think it's funny that the problem you're mostly running into is just, I haven't heard of Marquette specifically. Uh, mm. It's not that, oh no, I'm not, I don't care about NFP at all or what the heck is NFP in general, but like Marquette specifically. And mm. I touched on this with you in another chat you and I had had as far as like, I don't know if it's just like the American culture thing mm -hmm. that NFP is really a hard topic, at least for me. And I think a lot of other fertility mm. awareness instructor people to bridge that conversation with people because it's like, um, say what now? Um, really the concept of natural family planning as a whole or fertility awareness as a whole sounds foreign, not just an individual mm -hmm. method. Um, but it sounds like you run in a circle that is pretty well aware of what it is and what mm -hmm. it's used for and why, why we yeah. should be using it as Catholics. Yeah. Well, that's in, I suppose we say my Catholic circle in my right. works, in my work circle, I, um, I work at a small regional hospital, about 60 k's, or uh, what is it? It's 1.6 k's to the mile. That's don't worry about the conversion. We'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, it's 40, 50 miles um, <laughs> northwest of where Emily and I currently live. Or is it about that? Yeah, probably about 40 mile. We'll say 40 mile northwest of where we live. Um, and yeah, in that circle, like. People, they haven't necessarily heard of the various um, the various NFP methods, but they've heard of and understand the general broad concept of fertility awareness and or natural family planning. They might not put much stock in it or faith in it, but they have at least heard of it and do acknowledge it as, to use the secular speak, they do acknowledge it as a form of contraception that can be used. It's just... Though in secular circles, they don't see it as the most reliable method when, mm -hmm. in fact, the stats, the research all show when Marquette, for example, is used properly and if a couple is needing to postpone pregnancy, so the postponement rules are followed to letter of law, the, postpo the postponement effectiveness of Marquette is basically as effective as or if not more effective than many of your mainstream contraceptives like condoms or combined oral contraceptives. And the other way to look at it now, one of my colleagues is actually looking at um, trying to start a family and for management of a plethora of gynecological issues has been on long-term hormonal contraception for not for pregnancy postponement, but for just maintenance of her physical health and wellness. So starting to come off that she's never, in most of her adult life, she's never had um, a completely normal cycle. And so she was just looking at it going, what the heck's going on here? Yeah. So myself and another colleague, we sat down, talked her through it, and I did the graph of the hormones and showed her what things are like. And she was bowled over backwards going, I feel like an idiot. I've never encountered this stuff before. So, yeah, it, it's, it's sad. I mean, as a woman and – it frustrates me now that I do know, and I'm like, everybody needs to know this because it's so cool and valuable. Um, but yeah, at, at the end of the day, like when you do start to kind of come into this world, like how did I not know this about myself? Like it's a huge part of my life and I had no idea mm. what was going on, like behind the scenes, quote unquote. Um, 
so yeah, incredible. I think it's awesome that you're able to do that. And um, especially, you know, like as a man, and of course, as a, as a Catholic man, it doesn't have to be like a, I don't know. I just feel like it has the potential for some to feel like, oh, you're mansplaining or something. But I think there's just like so much value in having this conversation, regardless of if you're male or female, because when you're married, like down the line, you're looking to uh, grow your family um, when that time comes. And it applies to you, too. Like maybe it's not your body, but it does apply to you, too. Um, And even if I'd even go... well, if people aren't interested in hearing the way I explain things, well, are they interested in, in me explaining the way the heart works, the way that the lungs work, the way gaseous exchange occurs in the lungs and and or the way a disease process works? To my but mind, Sean, don't no you know you have lungs and a heart and all of those th- that anatomy? So how dare true. you? <laughs> it's a true. And I, I say that in, in mockery of, of that kind of mindset. But the way that I approach it is it's human anatomy and physiology. And as a nurse, I have a professional obligation to understand my work, to understand the human body, to be able to explain to someone if they've got a question about the way something with the body works, I have to be able to answer that or I have to be able to know where to go to look for the answer or if, or to be able to know places where I can defer someone for a good explanation. So in this case, yeah, I might be mud. And yeah, I might not be a doctor. I might not be a midwife. But if I at least have a basic understanding, I can go, look, if you're prepared to hear it from me, then yeah, I'm more than happy to fill you in. If not, here's someone that can potentially explain it to you better than I can. Right, right. Which is good too. And I, I get that in any any need for um, medical expertise, like it doesn't even have to depend on like male or female doctor or nurse, but just a personality thing. Like maybe I don't mesh well with you or whatever, but yeah, I find that interesting. And it also kind of gets me um, energized to just have this conversation because I think it's important. And like I said, I think it's important for anyone to be able to converse about it. And I love that about my husband too. He he's had, and I've talked about this before as has he uh, shared experiences where he's the one explaining to a female, you know, and he's, he doesn't have the medical background, just studying after me, um, on, on cycles and how ovulation is supposed to work and how ovulation is a huge component of your overall Mm -hmm. health. If you're not ovulating at a regular, um, interval, things will start to go haywire. And I can tell you from personal experience. Um, so yeah, I think anyone should be involved in that conversation. So it's interesting. Um, so I touched just a, very briefly about you growing your family. You mentioned already you've been married for now 13 months. So in my book, that's still newlywed status. Um, how's it been going? Um, it's been challenging. <laughs> um, yeah. I suppose the biggest hurdle we've had to overcome is the fact that I'm a shift worker. Um, so as I said, I work about three quarters of an hour away from where we live. So the way that my shifts work, for example, I I work a hell of a lot of evening shifts. So if that's a one o'clock start, 9.30, p- 9.30 p.m. knockoff. Um, so for me to be at work on time, I'm leaving here about quarter to, quarter to midday or midday, arriving at work quarter to one, and then not getting home until 
about 10.30 at night. So for Emily, that's more time. In the last nine, 10 months that we've been living together, she has spent more time alone than she has in her entire adult life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a challenge I can imagine. Especially because mm -hmm. as a newlywed, you're like, yes, we get to spend so much time together. We live together. We're going to like really just bunk bunker down and that's not happening unfortunately <laughs> yeah it is a challenge and not to mention all the other components of life that are hard to mesh when it's a new person that you're living with you're not used mm -hmm. to um so let alone that just not even getting the quality time that everybody obviously seeks rightly so mm -hmm. um and then we also touched on you your plan y'all's plans um to grow your family if and when like kids are on the line down the road yeah um i suppose this is it'll all be dependent upon my wife's health there's a couple of things that we need to sort out first and a couple of things we need to get right um my wife has epilepsy and cerebral palsy which i suppose we've been we've been medically advised that it would be best for us to like i'll phrase it this way um we haven't been told in hard, fast, absolute terms that Emily is medically unfit for pregnancy. She'd be, she'd been told by her neurologist that, yeah, in her professional neurological opinion, Emily would be safe to have children. But the recommendation is more, well, it would be best to try to avoid um, unplanned or quote-unquote accidental or serendipity pregnancies um mm -hmm. that yeah if we are falling pregnant then ideally there needs like emily needs levels of drugs tested for baselines or prepartum baselines um needs to make sure various um sort of various blood chemistry things are at the right levels and that sort of thing so that if we are wanting to have children that it is we are deliberately that the pregnancy is planned and deliberate, if that makes sense. Right, and I and I really think uh, yet another reason why everybody should chart a method. It doesn't matter which one, pick one and go. Um, because because it is ideal that we are are healthy, obviously for our own sake. Mm -hmm. But if and when we want kiddos to come, and obviously those serendipity pregnancies, as you phrased, which I love. Um, are huge blessings and don't have to be a detriment, but not everybody can just whip out a kid without any effort. And it's, um, it's good that we have the tools to know and how to plan it, mm -hmm. um, or avoid it when the time comes for exactly that, for her to be prepared to prepare her body. Um, and that can apply to any, to anybody like, Hey, maybe there are these biomarkers in my life that need to be addressed before the next one comes. Absolutely. And I know Absolutely. it's similar. I mean, it's similar for myself. It's not, um, by any means something, I guess, so large in my brain as cerebral palsy and, or epilepsy, but, um, you know, there's, some. Um, uh, like even just my vitamin stores, having just recently had a kiddo and having been nursing, um, like I just feel like I, my, my body needs to be replenished with the baseline of of nutrients and things before more kiddos should come. Now, if a serendipity happens, I would be 
a little bit easier to adapt than probably Emily would. But that's what I love about all of this is we have the option and opportunity and sometimes the responsibility, in fact, to do the charting so that we can protect ourselves and protect babies that do come because then it would be a risky situation. So I love that you shared that um, that personal experience because I think it's just as important as any other component of the conversation. Hmm, of course. Absolutely. Of course. It's, yeah, with my couples, with any couples I take on, I've, yeah, it was three months ago, a, I started teaching my first couple, so nine to go. Um, that, yeah, like my Louise, who's, yeah, Emily and I's instructor, but also the instructor, the licensed Marquette instructor overseeing my training. Um, yeah, she encouraged me to develop sort of a pre-question, sort of a pre-instruction questionnaire. And it's one of the things that instructors, I suppose, need to know when a couple's coming in to seek instruction in natural family planning and seek training in natural family planning, that essentially as an instructor, we need to know to be able to sort of tailor our training to go, well, okay, is this couple in a place where, okay, yeah, they've just had their third child, mum's tearing her hair out, dad's working ridiculous number of hours per week to um, try and keep everything afloat. And if it's just a, yeah, no, no, that it would be detrimental to us, significant detriment to us if we were to have a fourth child and we feel we need to postpone just for 12 months while we restabilise things, get our head back around things, then, okay, cool, we can come in and go, right, cool, so you're looking to avoid for 12 months, so we'll tailor our training more to postponing for 12 months. Or on the other side, if you've got, a, say, a couple coming along that's going, well, we've never received anything, we're trying for kids, we've been having trouble for sort of the last six, eight months trying to fall pregnant, then as instructor we can go, right, cool, shift the focus across to, all right, so you're looking to try and plan a pregnancy, you're looking to actually try and fall pregnant, so shift the focus of the training to go, okay, cool. So shift it more to, okay, recognition of fertile times, not so much for pregnancy postponement, but more accurately for trying to fall pregnant and trying to help learn to pinpoint the times that conception is most likely to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Which is phenomenal that we can use these same tools, use these same biomarkers um, for those, that variety of reasons. And for me personally right now, well, you know, we are trying to postpone for a while, but a biggest reason for me, my chart is to figure out what the heck is going on with my body and to know where my hormones are because I'm feeling all out of sorts and things like that. So it, it doesn't have to be one or the other trying to conceive, trying to avoid it. It could just be for those health biomarkers. And I love that every method has all of those components to it. Mm -hmm. And it's just such valuable info. I love it. I love it. Um, shoot. I had had a question as you were speaking and it totally spaced my mind. Well, that said then, I, maybe we can just go ahead and wrap up our chat, but I always like to end with that same question that I ask of every guest. Sure. As this is called the Natural Misconceptions Podcast, what is a misconception that you have once held, Sean, that you have come to know the truth about? Well, I suppose it's not so much a misconception, but more another steep learning curve that I've had with Emily and I's marriage in that with Emily's health, she can't drive. And 
she's not able to do a lot of the things that someone who hasn't got her conditions can do. So for me, not so much the misconception, but more the learning curve has been, excuse me, the sheer impact of having a physical disability. Like for what at the moment, Emily's not working from home or working from home because of we're just coming out the other side of a lockdown for COVID. And prior to that, a couple of times a week, I, I was driving Emily to driving Emily to work to help sort of um, reduce some of the public transport bills. And even then prior to that, like to the detriment of my own physical health at one point, um, I was driving Emily into work every day and I was just, it was starting to dawn on me exactly the impact that Emily's disability has on her. And even now while we're looking at trying to buy our first home, that it's sinking into me the heavy reliance that Emily has on public transport. The impact of not being able to drive has on her her reliance on the timetables of others, not her own timetable, that that for me has been a huge eye-opener and a huge learning curve for me to adapt to. So I'm not sure, I wouldn't so much call it a misconception that I held, but mm -hmm. certainly an area that I, like, I consciously knew that it did impact Emily's life, but I didn't fully understand the mm -hmm. entire extent of that impact. Yeah. And as you're describing it, it's something I've always taken for granted. It didn't ever cross mm -hmm. my mind. What a privilege. Um, that, I, that, like I said, it's been taken for granted. I can drive and I don't have to wait on others for really anything. If I need mm -hmm. to go to the store or the doctor or what have you, um, so that's a, that's a big cross. And I, I imagine that it's something that has hopefully grown a lot of humility in Emily. And I think she probably, um, has grown in a lot of strength through that. And I think that's beautiful. I love, um, I just love the faithfulness of people who have crosses that way that, that other people don't usually consider, um, but that they can just kind of grow through it and, and teach others through it too, because like you said, that learning curve, you were able to kind of really grasp the depth of it. And then in you speaking to me and the listeners getting just like, wow, yeah, that's something maybe I should be a little bit more grateful for and not take, take for granted. And, and then maybe possibly reach out if there's anyone near us who has a similar situation to Emily where I'm like, okay, you know what, if you need me, call me, I, I could be your ride in case, you know, yeah. your husband has shift work and can't drive you when he should be sleeping. Awesome. Yeah. I love it so much. I'm so grateful for your time, your no morning, <laughs> your morning or evening or whatever time it is right now. I don't know. Australia is weird. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, Sean, thanks so much for coming on and sharing a little bit of your expertise and your experience. Um, I'm grateful for your time. I will have his, um, his name and email as well as his Instagram handle. If you'd like to follow him in the show notes, um, Sean Beecher, thank you so much. And ha I hope you have a great day. Not a problem in the world, Steph. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Natural Misconceptions podcast. My name is Stephanie Mora, and don't forget, there's no such thing as TMI.